Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's exciting episode. Hi, Deb. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm just wonderful today. Um, spring has sprung. The weather's nice. You know, folks, you have to realize we're recording this a little bit in advance, so you know, we may be off on the weather just a hair. But everyone has to talk about the weather. This week, we're going to talk about a talpa called The Philip Experiment. This experiment had two movies made about it, The Apparition in 2012 and The Quiet Ones in 2014. What is a talpa? A talpa is a mythical entity said to manifest from mental powers. It's a concept in theosophy, mysticism, and the paranormal, where an object or being is uh, created through spiritual or mental powers. It's manifested, so to say. That sounds like it would take some very strong mental power. Yeah, it, it does. Anytime you manifest something, it takes a lot of mental power. In case you're wondering, theosophy comes from a Greek word meaning divine wisdom. In the late 19th century, this even became a religion in the United States. Is theosophy still considered a religion today? Well, yeah, it is. And it's mainly, it was created by a Ukrainian woman named Helena Blavatsky. And her drawings and teachings are mainly what the religion is based about. I don't know a whole lot about this, but I know it's about truth and things like that. And it's a lot, a lot of based on mysticism. The Philip experiment is based around a psychical research experiment conducted by a Toronto Psychical Research Society called TSPR, which was led by mathematical geneticist Dr. A.R. George Owen and overseen by psychologist Dr. Joel Witten. The test group consisted of Owen's wife, Iris Owen, the former chairperson of Mensa in Canada, Margaret Sparrow, and industrial designer, Andy H., his wife, Lorne, a heating engineer, Al Peacock, an accountant, Bernice M., a bookkeeper, Dorothy O'Donnell, and sociology student, Sidney K. None of this group was said to have any psychic abilities or powers. How was this test group chosen? Random or voluntarily or what? They were chosen both random and voluntarily, but they were all members of TSPR. There was no outside people. They were all members of the group. Hmm. 
The premise of this experiment was to try and create a fictional character using a purposeful methodology and then try to communicate to the fabricated entity through seances. In other words, everyone focused their intentions on making this person real, at least in their minds, and I feel this is the important part. What do you mean when you say purposeful methodology? Well, they had a reason for what they were doing, and they were given some parameters of creating this person. So it was tied in with different things. Um, they collectively created Philip Azelford, and the following for his background, which partially coincided with the events and places. Why do you feel this is the important part? Well, everybody in the group had to believe in what they were doing in order for the manifestation to try to work. Everyone's powers and intentions had to focus on the same thing. So that's why they had to have a purposeful methodology. So everyone had the same parameters. And they created this story that we're about to discuss in just a second. So everyone is basically on the same page and with the same thoughts in their mind, and the same picture in their mind. The story they created is as follows. Philip was an aristocratic Englishman living in the 1700s at the time of Oliver Cromwell, being born in 1694. He had been a supporter of the king, knighted at 16, and worked for the king as a spy during the English Civil War, and was a Catholic. He was married to a beautiful but cold and frigid woman by the name of Dorothea, the daughter of a neighboring nobleman. One day, when out riding the boundaries of his estates, Phillips came across a gypsy encampment and saw there a beautiful, dark-eyed, raven-haired gypsy girl named Margot, and fell instantly in love with her. He brought her back secretly to live in the gatehouse near the stables of Dinnington Manor, his family home. For some time, he kept his love nest secret, but eventually, Dorothea, realizing he was keeping someone else there, found Margot and accused her of witchcraft by stealing her husband, Philip, by stealing her husband. Philip was too scared of his, losing his reputation and his possessions to protest the trial of Margot, and she was convicted of witchcraft and burned at the stake. The story goes on that Philip was subsequently stricken with remorse that he had not tried to defend Margot and paced the battlements of Diddington in despair. Finally, one morning his body was found at the bottom of the battlements whence he had cast himself in a fit of agony and remorse. They even went as far as to have one of the members draw a sketch of Philip to use during their meetings slash seances. We'll put a sketch, the sketch that they drew of Philip on the website for everyone to look at. Starting in September of 1972, the group would meet in fully lit rooms sitting around in an informal way to discuss and meditate, air quotes, on Philip and try to create their collective hallucination or manifestation. This went on for over a year, and they did not have any results, even though a member here and there would say that they could feel a presence in a room occasionally. This all changes when the group decided to switch gears and start holding seances in the classic spiritual ways. Within a few months, they started getting results and answers from Philip, typically in the form of rapping on the table or lifting it up a little bit. 
As time went on, there was more and more interaction with Philip and the group, with the Philip and the group, and he supposedly can turn the lights on and off and make other noises around the room and even levitate the table. What do you mean when you say seance was held in a classic spiritual way? In other words, they did the, the normal things of a seance. They turned the lights down so you would have atmosphere. They used a table. They all gathered around the table, held hands or placed their hands on the table. They lit candles. Um, typically in seances, you light at least, at least three candles. You know, everything with good and evil has got to do with threes, right? And that's because of the Trinity. So, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, supposedly. So you either use a minimum of three candles or you have the candles that are divisible by three. So everything's in threes and you hold hands and stuff. Why would this have made the difference? Well, it, you know, then you're calling on the spirits, right, in a formed manner that works instead of just sitting around a room, having a cup of coffee, bull, bullcrapping away with your friends to try to create something. Now you're setting an atmosphere with an intention to manifest with. However, it appeared that Philip's abilities and responses were limited to the fake background that was created for him. Even though this experiment may seem to be a success, the one thing they were unable to do was make Philip materialize in front of them, inform, or speak to them like other spirits have. Since this is a manifestation of their minds, why would they expect Philip to be independent of their background story and expectations? I think that's just it. They didn't <laughs> expect him to be different. And that's why they were considered a success, because he was limited to the information they created and had in their minds. So that, that's something we're going to discuss a little bit different down, down in a few minutes. Okay. Also, I wanted to ask what part of the background story coincided with reality? The time period, the king, um, the Civil War, and that's basically it. The group went on to perform similar experiments with other created entities like Lilith, a French-Canadian spy, Sebastian, an alchemist from medieval times, and Alex, a man from the future. Were any of those tapas a success according to their expectations? Yeah, they say they were. They say that all of them were a success. Um, but, and there was another group in Australia that did a similar experiment, and they also claimed it to be an, a success. But now, this is where we're going to start down a rabbit hole. So now we need to ask ourselves, did this group really manifest this spirit with their collective minds and made-up background? Remember the fact that they tried to communicate for over a year with no results. It wasn't until they started to hold seances in a true mystical fashion that they had any kind of communication. Do you believe they eventually connected with their made-up Philip? No. I have to say no but I do believe they connected with something. It's not uncommon for spirits that don't have the best morals or even so-called demons to act like they are someone else 
looking for a way in. Perhaps, if they used a medium, that person could have been able to tell who or what they were really communicating with. Could you give some examples of a spirit that doesn't have the best morals or explain that to me? Yeah, I'll explain it to you. I, I personally don't have any examples of it, but I can explain it. They say a lot of spirits or ghosts, when they're stuck here, if they were a, a butthole in life, they're buttholes of spirit. If they were mean and nasty to people, they're mean and nasty as a spirit. And they don't come across with honest intention. So what did they do? Did they conjure up a spirit who was toying and having fun with the group? Was it a demon who was trying to find a wink link so they could enter into this universal plane? Or was it possibly a member of the group manifesting as similar to what many people believe poltergeist phenomenon is to be? They do not know who they had answering their questions. But really, how is this any different from being a group of people sitting around a Ouija board asking for an entity to come answer their questions and then thinking they are talking to good old Aunt Margaret. Or how about Mary Todd Lincoln, holding seances in the White House, thinking she keeps being visited by her departed son, Willie. Or what about the people that move in a 200-year-old home and see things, hear noises, cabinet doors are opened and closed, car keys moved and hidden and reappear, cold spots, shadow people, etc. Could it be that the group was made up of open-minded and impressionable people are so desiring of something or anything paranormal to happen to them that they latch on to any possibility and turn it around to match their desire? It's possible, but certain parts of the experiment were recorded, um, both on video and audio, and other people could see the interactions and stuff too. So it would have to be somebody in the group manifesting something similar to a poltergeist activity. You know, they say poltergeist is manifested by teenagers and, and not something out of the paranormal realm or spiritual realm. The witch side of me truly believes we can manifest things to happen by manipulating energy. But that energy needs to already exist. Quantum physics tells us there is at least 11 parallel universes and possibly an infinite amount of universes, according to theoretical physicists, which are made up of energy and universal energy. But that amount of energy never changes. It doesn't increase or decrease. So to manifest something, it must already exist on one plane or another. I don't consider this to be in the realm of universal consciousness, as they are the only ones that were able to get responses from Philip. Other groups that tried were not able, only this particular group. So you can't create new energy. And they didn't. They manifested it amongst themselves only in when they were all together. Well, folks, thanks for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at 
foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. <laughs>